So you're very welcome to, to this uh, seminar, Creating Community on Your Street. And we've all been hearing about hospitality this week, so this is another opportunity to hear just a little bit more about how we can actually do it to our neighbours and to our community. So I'm going to introduce Neil Harrison, who will be taking the seminar. I'm going to ask him a few questions about himself. So, Neil, where are you from? Uh, I'm from a little place called Waringstown. It's just outside Lurgan, between Lurgan and Banbridge. And do you have some family? Uh, yes, uh, married to my wife, Suzanne, and we have two children, Henry, who's seven, and Maisie, who's five. Before you started your work in the Presbyterian Church, Neil, well, in the headquarters, what were you doing? Uh, I, once I'd left university, I started actually working in Youth for Christ. With uh, lived in Monkstown for five years in a local drop-in centre there, and then uh, I took up the position of a youth and community pastor in Waringstown Presbyterian Church. I was in that role for uh, twelve years. Um, I'm from Waringstown, so being back in my home community was was a blessing to me. And then for the last kind of three years of that, I was uh, I took on a more of a community outreach role um, for the church uh, before moving into the role that I'm in now with the Presbyterian Church. Can you tell us just in about two sentences what you're involved in in the church? Uh, So I'm the Mission Development Officer for PCI. I've been in that role for about a year and a half and um, it's quite a varied role to explain but in many ways my role is to try and equip and resource and encourage uh, local churches within, within the Presbyterian Church um, to engage in outreach at a local level. So let, let me just pray for Neil before we start. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, just for what all we have learned this week at New Horizon in respect to hospitality and how we can best serve you and serve our neighbours. So we would just ask now that you would be with Neil as he comes to address this issue, creating community on our street. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you, uh, Okay, folks, I, I don't know about you, but this is certainly my first experience of speaking with headphones on and to a room full of people with headphones on. Um, but I'm told that this will be the best experience for you because um, you'll not miss a word. If you're up close to the front, then, of course, you, can, you don't need to wear them necessarily. But there is a video towards the end where you will need uh, the headphones for that. Um, if at any moment in the time I see you kind of nodding like this here, then I'll know you're not actually listening to me and you've kind of switched on to uh, something on your iPod or whatever. Um, but listen, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, so building community or creating community on your street. Okay, let me tell you a story. Um, whenever we first moved into our street, it was, it was 2010. It was just before Christmas. And uh, the snow was heavy on the ground. You perhaps remember that winter. And uh, we moved into our house. We live in a development. There's maybe 40 houses in our street. Um, and uh, we thought, oh, this is great. You know, we didn't have any kids at the time. Um, we thought, oh, there's, there's some houses around us. There's neighbours. Um, we'll look forward to meeting those. And we thought, you know what? We'll meet them, you know, maybe in the spring, summertime, whenever the weather's a bit nicer. We have settled in. And people are out and about, and that because that's the time whenever you get to, to meet your neighbours a little bit more. The spring came, the summer came, and uh, we were into the autumn, and we still had not really had any significant contact with the immediate neighbours around us. Uh, nothing really much more beyond the kind of nod and a wave that you do as people leave their houses. I didn't know people's names. I might have known their kids' names because the kids were a little bit you know friendly and all of that, but... 
I didn't know the parents' names. I didn't really know where they were from. I didn't know what jobs they did. They just kind of left in the morning. They came back, and, and we hadn't really got beyond that. And so it approached Christmas, and my wife and I sat down, and we said, this is going to, if we don't do something, this is maybe going to get a bit awkward for us, because we wanted to be people who knew the people who lived around us and were, were building a little sense of community. So we decided that um, we would invite people to our house just before Christmas for mulled wine and mince pies. And so we made up little invites and we said, Neil and Suzanne would like to invite you to our house on such and such a date at such and such a time in the afternoon for like an hour for mulled wine and mince pies. You're very welcome. And we just gave them to the six houses that were in the kind of immediate vicinity of our house. And, you know, we knocked on the doors and if people came to the door, we said, look, we're Neil and Suzanne, we live in number 32. We're just handing out a little invite, love you to come. Uh, and that was it. Didn't ask for any RSVPs or anything like that. Some people didn't, weren't there, didn't answer the doors, just popped it through the letterbox. And then we just went home and kind of panicked, you know. You just have that kind of panic moment where you think, dear Lord, what have we just done? What if nobody turns up? Um, what if people come and it's just really weird and awkward? But anyway, the time came to that particular Saturday. We had done all, we got all our stuff ready. The time came and... And everybody came, actually. All, all of those houses came and were represented. Um, they had been living in the, in the street much longer than we had. Um, but the interesting thing was that we weren't the only people who didn't know anybody. They had not yet made those connections. Some of them had been living there for five years, and they didn't know the person across the street. They didn't know their names. They didn't know what they did. And they didn't realize that, actually, they went to the same school and maybe came from a similar community, but they just hadn't ever had the opportunity or nobody had really taken the initiative to have those conversations. And from that, we did it again the following... From that, everything changed. Actually, your relationship changed. It wasn't just a nod and a wave at a door. Actually, you were able to stop, and people were more willing to stop, have a bit of a conversation about maybe what was happening, what holidays they were going on, or those sorts of things. And we did it again the next Christmas, and people came again. And after that, we didn't really need to do it anymore. We kind of felt like, do you know what? We've got a level of relationship here that... Is we're happy enough when we know people's names, they know us. If I'm going away on holidays, I feel like I could ask them to put my bin out for me, you know, or if I needed someone to feed the cat, I don't have a cat, but if I did have a cat, you know, I could ask those things. But the reality is that our culture has changed and people don't really naturally make the effort to connect and build relationships with those people around them. And they often find their sense of community elsewhere. But yet as missional people, we see that God has placed us in a specific place, he has placed us in a, a specific time with a specific group of people for a purpose. And that purpose is to further the mission of God as the people of God, the church. And one of those places of mission is on our street. Um, Share is a, is a new resource from PCI that I've been involved with this year that seeks to equip everyday church members to be part of God's mission in their everyday as part of the local church. And the resource is really inspired by the words uh, written by Paul to the people of the church in Thessalonica when he says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Sharing our lives and sharing the gospel are both essential in communicating the good news of Jesus to others. And this particular passage has really helped to frame, I suppose, like a model for share that enables church members to understand their role and approach to local mission based around three core values. 
So those core values are our building relationship. That's a really a core building block. How can we build relationships with the people around us who don't know Jesus? Cultivating community. That's, that's kind of about how do we make sure that I'm not the only weird Christian in their lives? How can, I, how can I take these relationships into a space where actually they know maybe half a dozen other Christians and they realize, oh, these people are normal, they're not so weird anymore, it starts to break down some of the um, suspicion or, or, or mistrust they might have about the Christian faith. And then lastly, the inviting encounter. You know, at some, people, at some point people need to hear the good news and we need to be able to tell them that good news. So how can we encourage people to share their own story of what God has done in their life? How can we help them to share the gospel story really clearly? Um, and so that's those kind of different aspects within this model are all impact within the share um, resource. And so as we think today about creating community in your street, then we are really considering how might we approach this kind of building relationships um, part of the model and a little bit, I suppose, of that cultivating community aspect as well with our neighbours. So in the next kind of 50 minutes or so, we're going to think about six relational practices, six habits that will take us out of ourselves and eight practical neighbourliness ideas. But first, let's have a quick look at this great example um, from Luke chapter 5 from the life of Levi. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. So beginning at verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, and it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In this passage, uh, we see that Levi has an encounter with Jesus that completely changes his life. He's so excited to tell others the good news that he immediately throws a party. What an amazing moment in Levi's life. And as we read and we think a little bit about these verses, do so with this sense of, of this exciting change that Levi was experiencing that was compelling him to celebrate and to share that good news about Jesus with others. So as we explore this passage for a few moments, I want us to think about three questions. And the first one is who, oh, there's the passage. Who does Levi invite to the party? Verse 29 tells us that a large large crowd of tax collectors and others, that's the people that have come to this party. And we know from the passage that Levi is a tax collector. So he starts by inviting the people that he knows so he's invited his workmates, his colleagues that he works with um, within uh, his, his particular role as a tax collector. And then there's this other bit that says he's also invited others. So that begs the question, well, we don't really know for sure who those others are. But if we were to place ourselves in Levi's shoes, having experienced such an exciting and a significant change, is it not likely that we would want to celebrate and to share that good news with those people who are closest to us? So therefore, might the others in the passage be Levi's family? Uh, Might they be his friends? Might they be his neighbours? P. 
people that he already has a relationship with. The second question that we want to ask is, well, why have people turned up? There's there's, um, three suggestions here as to why people have turned up to Levi's party. Because let's face it, we don't always go to every party invite that we get. The first one I want to suggest, which is very current in, in our theme for the weekend here, which is hospitality. Have you ever noticed how introducing food and seating people around a table draws them to come along to an event, encourages this level of informality, it encourages relationship building in a gathering. And Levi knew the value of hospitality. He doesn't ask people just to come and hear. He throws a party. He provides hospitality for people to come to. And I think that encourages people to come. The second reason people might have come is that there's a special guest. And we don't know this from the passage, but is it not likely that people have heard that Jesus would be at this party and they were interested in hearing from this great teacher, this miracle worker? They might have already seen him in a crowd, but here's an opportunity to sit around a table with him up close. They knew that an encounter with Jesus had changed Levi's life. And so at the very least, they're curious to not refuse an invite from Levi. And the third reason uh, that, that people might come to uh, this party is because of relationship. Have you, have you ever received an invite to a free lunch? Uh, and you know, actually, there's a celebrity attending that who you might admire, you might find intriguing. Um, but actually, it's a corporate event. You don't really know the person who's invited you. And you can't bring a plus one, so you don't actually think you're going to know anybody else there. Would you still go? Well, you maybe not. I mean, you might go, but either way, it certainly changes the reaction to that invite. There's still food. There's still somebody there that you might want to listen to. But actually, if there's nobody there that I know, I don't know. I might go. I might not. If it's likely that Levi invited those closest to him, his colleagues, his friends, his family then is it not also likely that people turned up because they have a relationship with Levi? They know Levi. They've heard about this life change and they knew other friends that were going to be there. And so, of course, they accepted this invite because relationship is really key when it comes to invitation. The third question we want to ask about this passage is, what does Jesus exchange with the Pharisees and Levi's example in this Uh, say to us today, how how does this shape our relationships? So the Pharisees are complaining to Jesus about the sinful company that he was keeping. And and he responds and he says in verse 31, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus tells the Pharisees then by his words and by his actions that they have got it wrong. They were making every effort to stay away from sinners, but Jesus makes it clear that we are to follow close to them. We are to draw close to them with the good news message of the gospel. Jesus wants the Pharisees to behave more like Levi. So how might this shape our relationships? Well, here's five things. Our priorities. How much of our time is spent with those that Jesus calls calls spiritually sick? That's a challenge to to me. I think it should be a challenge to us all. This passage challenges us to find a healthy balance 
of the time that we spend with, with Christians and of the time that we spend with those who are unreached. It challenges us about our space as well. Perhaps um, you feel like you, you don't have the capacity for any new relationships in your life. But this passage challenges us to always make space for people who are spiritually sick. The people that God places in your path who don't know him. How might this shape our relationships? Well, Levi took the initiative to share not just the gospel, but his life as well by extending an invite to those around him. So this passage tells us to be intentional initiators because my experience, and perhaps yours at all, is that people just naturally keep themselves to themselves. Fourthly, hospitality and proximity. Like Levi, if we want to share not just the gospel, but our life as well, then we need to invite people to come close enough to see our life. And through hospitality in proximity. And fourthly, or fifthly, sorry, we need to to pray. And living out all of the above, can we regularly pray, Lord, who have you placed around my life that you want me to be intentional about building a relationship with? Because we have a good news story to share, a life-changing story of Jesus that offers hope centered on the cross and the resurrection. And yet the response of many people in our society to our invite is, no thanks, because there is mistrust or there is misunderstanding. But imagine if we could all build genuine relationships with unreached people over time, such that the good news of the gospel was clear to them through our lives and through our words. Imagine the difference that that would make to our lives, their lives, and the life of our church as we seek to share Jesus with others. Perhaps the mistrust and the misunderstanding would be replaced by interest, by curiosity, by willingness to find out more. So this morning we want to think about how we might prioritize relationship by outlining a few practices, uh, some ideas that can really help build a foundation on which to share your faith in Jesus with those living around you. So how do we do this? If if you didn't get a handout, by the way, some of the slides are on on the handout, a selection of the slides if that's helpful to you. The following six practices will enable us to help unreached people move along a journey towards Jesus in a way that's kind of comfortable and and it's non-threatening. And they help build a real relationship that leads to a more natural platform for evangelism. So these are things that we should be trying to practice in our everyday life as we meet people. And the first one is noticing. A starting point to, to knowing someone is actually noticing them. It's not the it's not only the first step in becoming aware of another person, but also in paying attention to God's activity in our world. By taking time to intentionally pay attention to, to others, to those around us in the spaces we find ourselves in, we take our eyes off ourselves and we take time um, to, to create an opportunity to get to know them and recognize them as treasured creations of God we need to notice people we need to be praying people we need to pray for those that we meet in our in our day-to-day life and we need to ask God to show us how he wants us to bless them and this we will become more invested in their lives more compassionate more loving towards them we need to listen 
we need to try listening to others with a genuine care, interest and empathy. Don't rush to offer our unsolicited opinions. Don't necessarily feel that we need to always offer advice or answers because that can just sometimes kill dialogue and sometimes it's just not helpful because it bypasses the just this important process of allowing people to discover truth for themselves. This one's really significant. We need to be good at asking questions and asking the right questions. And maybe we need to just be a little bit more curious in our conversations, drawing people out with, a, a, with great questions, you know, seeking more to be understood or to understand more than to be understood. How can we get to know people well? We're trying to create a meaningful conversation and a natural order of questioning that I think is helpful for deepening relationships would be this. History first, you know, that's often a good starting point, isn't it? Where are you from? Where have you come from? We ask that question a lot, don't we? Especially in Northern Ireland, because you'll generally find somebody that you, you know from that place. So we ask maybe where people are from. Tell us a bit about where you're from. And then transitions would be the next kind of level. Well, how, where are you now? So tell me a little bit about your job or what do you do? Do you have family? You know, those kind of now questions. Where do you live? So history, transitions, and then third level then, which maybe I sometimes we don't never get to or we don't maybe ask, but it's more about journey. Well, how did you get here? Tell me a little bit about your life. How did you get from, you know, Balamina to, you know, Derry? Or what, you know, what, how, how did you find yourself in, in this particular job? Tell me a bit about your journey. And then last question that we can ask, well, you know, where are you going? What, what, what do you see for yourself in the next few years? Like, do you like that job? Do you want to stay in that job? What's your dream? What would you like to, to move into? Try and kind of ask some questions about, about those things because the, the conversation then moves to a more meaningful level. Loving. We need to genuinely love people. We need to see them through God's eyes. He is the one that actively and continually pursues us. And we need to remember that love may sometimes feel, but it always acts, as Romans 5, verse 8 tells us. And lastly, we need to be welcoming. We need to welcome people by valuing their presence so that they feel that they belong. They feel comfortable. Welcoming isn't just about inviting someone. We can invite someone, but not really welcome them. It's about bringing a warm, appealing presence to others. Wherever you are, it's a way of living. And we can do this really well by maximizing the following four welcoming aspects. The first one is our face, smile, and a warm eye contact. They go a long way to making people feel welcomed, to making people feel comfortable. Our space will make people feel at ease when they're around you. Limit any awkwardness by by finding a kind of common ground or or finding other people that you think, oh, you, you could connect with them really well. You know, do people find your, comf- your company welcoming? Are you genuinely interested in them? Do people feel like, yes, I enjoy being around that person? Fourthly, your place. Offer people a comfortable place. If you invite people into your home, then allow people to feel relaxed in there. Allow them to feel at home, feel welcome. Hospitality is really important in that as well. And lastly, our grace. We need to accept people as they are. We need to build relationships at an appropriate pace, walk alongside people from wherever they are in their life and admit our own flaws and our own need of grace and our own lack of perfection. We need to be welcoming. Building these six relational practices 
uh, into our lives will help to cultivate real relationships with those who are unreached. The next section highlights six habits that will ensure that our life is always outward facing. So we're getting a little bit more practical here, but we're also a lot more practicality to come uh, in, the, in the kind of third section. So six habits that can take us out of ourselves. And I want you to think about these in terms of thinking, well, how often can I do this, each of these? Could I do this? Could I do this every day? Could I do some of these once a week? Is there some of these that actually, that's maybe just not practical for me in my life at the moment, but I think I could do them once a month. So think about these things in those terms. Because perhaps our biggest challenge in loving people is breaking out of some of the well-worn ruts of living which lock us into a life that just surrounds us and ours, our wee circle. And a first stage of loving others may be taking on a new set of habits in our daily lives which take us out of our lives and into the lives of others. People who don't know Jesus, who don't have the good news. So here's six simple ways that if we can practice these can begin to change the way we shape our lives uh, and, and shape our practices. The first thing is being kind. I mean, this is really simple. Make it your regular practice to show kindness to others. It may be through a simple thank you. It may be through giving a small gift. It may be through just sending an encouraging text message. Or it could be something bigger, that, like setting aside some time to help somebody move house or, or help them um, you know, dig up their garden because they've, they've kind of just moved in or, or it could be something you know, bigger than that. But it could be just sending a message to someone to say, and hey, I've been thinking about you today. How are you? Or, hey, I, you, know, I, you, weren't, you, um, you were sick the other day whenever I was speaking or you weren't feeling great. How are you feeling now? Or, you know, just letting somebody know that you're thinking about them. Uh, or, and trying to encourage people in some way or thank people in some way just showing acts of kindness how often can we do those things can we do some simple things like that every day or every week don't always eat alone we've heard this a lot uh, over New Horizon um, but instead of always eating on the run or always eating with just you and your circle of your family use the meal times that you have to invite others and spend time getting to know them better because barriers come down when you're sitting around a table with somebody and having food together. And that can arrange for inviting someone uh, for a chat over a coffee or it could, it could be inviting a whole family for, for Sunday lunch. Uh, you know, there's ways that you can do that. You can do it in your home or you can do it out of your home, although I would recommend that you try and do that in your home. But don't always eat alone. How often can you do that? Can we do that once a week? Twice a week? Can we think, right, well, I can have coffee with this person and maybe have somebody around for dinner? Prayerfully consider your circle of influence. Think about the people that God has arranged that you are to rub shoulders with in your life. For this seminar, we're thinking about the people who put their head on a pillow less than perhaps 20, 30 meters from you every night. People who live in the same street, they share your postcode. You have not been given that postcode by accident. What do you seem, who do you seem to be drawing close to right now? Who do you feel that there's, oh, there's a little bit of warmth there? What life's circumstances might open a door that you can 
speak into for God. Listen and look out for opportunity to follow God's leading. There was a family moved into our street about uh, maybe three or four years ago. I didn't know them uh, at all, um, but there was somebody else from our church knew them. Um, and they had said to me, oh, you know, when you get a chance, say hello to whatever. But I, th- that opportunity hadn't come. They hadn't been in that long. And then she told me, she said, oh, the, the, the guy, the father, his, um, his mother has just died. Um, she just died quite suddenly there. Um, so, you know, she was kind of letting me know. And, and, and I appreciated that. Um, and so I just wrote a little card um, to say, look, I'm really sorry. I just heard that your, your mother had passed away. Just wanted to let you know that we're... We're thinking about you and praying for you. My name's Neil, I live in number 32. And I just, they weren't at the house at the time, but I just left the card over. And they came, they came back to my door like about a day or two later and said, look, thank you so much. You know, we really appreciated that and introduced themselves. And so all of a sudden you have a different, your relationship's at a different level then. You know people, you know their names. Um, they were a Christian family. Um, and, and so now you, you kind of have a, a, a level of connection there. Um, but prayerfully consider who is around you and what opportunities might open doors that you can be led by God. Read the Bible with an eye on relationships. So look out for how key characters converse with others, especially outsiders. What is going on in moments like Jesus's encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well? What is going on in that kind of encounter between Philip and, and the Ethiopian? or Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. What can you learn from these stories about, about how believers are, are responding to those who are unreached relationally? How can, you, how can we learn from these stories and read the Bible with a way that helps us to shape our relationships in the way that we encounter people who don't know Jesus? Fifth one's a bit more kind of current in terms of social media and all of that, but it doesn't necessarily relate to social media, but check your news feed for stories that may offer connections and conversations. So there's always a current story going on, isn't there? You know, it might be in the, uh, in the news or in the newspapers or social media. It might be in all of those things, but there's always something, you know, those stories that you hear, or it could be related to a particular program or a series that people are watching that everyone's talking about. What is the thing that people talk about over coffee time and work? Or what is the thing that people talk about whenever they're stopping in the street? Did you see that or did you hear that story? And sometimes these are tragic stories. Sometimes these are stories about real brokenness or hurt. But like, what are the, what are the stories that we're hearing that picture brokenness or that offer hope? Or Sometimes they're, they're stories with a happy ending that you didn't expect or an unexpected story. What are, the, what are these stories that are out in the world that contrast with a gospel message? Or they seem to kind of mirror the story of the gospel, like the sto- story of grace and forgiveness. Sometimes you hear these great stories where an awful tragedy has happened to someone, but they've been able to forgive the perpetrator. And you can see the gospel in that. And as these stories come up in conversation with people in our everyday lives, be ready to ask a subtle question. Be ready to offer a different perspective. Be ready to say, do you know, that really reminds me of this particular story in the Bible or it reminds me of, of, of the grace that Jesus has shown us. Be ready to kind of offer that perspective. And uh, sixthly, reflect on our conversations with others. So this is about pausing at the end of every day or the end of every week and looking back over your week and thinking about, who did I bump into this week? Who did I stop and have a bit of a chat with? What relationships seem to be opening up there? 
where did um, where did I have a significant conversation where somebody kind of told me about their you know their dad who's really not doing well at the minute or their child who's really struggling in school I need to how can I need to remember that how can I build on that how can I go back and respond in some way with kindness with encouragement with thoughtfulness where did I miss an opportunity where did that person cross my radar and I knew oh I needed to speak to that and I missed an opportunity how can I pick up on that why did that happen was I just too busy on my phone or was my you know what was going on what can I learn from that try to kind of be reflective kind of write some stuff down bring that before the Lord and I guess allow that to to shape change in our lives as well as we seek to live out some of these other five habits um, in our lives so six practices that can build relationship and then six habits that can take us out of ourselves into the lives of others. For a few minutes, can you just, you'll probably need to take the headphones off for this, folks, but can you buzz with the person beside you there and, uh, and have a think about these questions in a conversation? How, how realistic are these six habits for you? And what one thing do you think you can do this week to help build habits that will take you out of yourself and into the lives of others as a witness for Christ. So is there one thing out of this that you could do that might help to make a difference in your street? We're thinking specifically about your street, your community, the people who are living around you. So do that for a few minutes. Okay, folks, I'm going to wave. Put these back on. Okay, folks, can you um, place your headphones back on? Nobody can hear me. Need to put this in your feedback form. Okay. So, if you want to place your headphones back on, then we can keep going. I also just got told you were far too noisy. The other seminar couldn't couldn't hear anything. Yet. So next time, if we're having any conversation, just whisper, whisper your conversation. I hope, I mean, I'm not going to get any feedback. Hopefully that conversation was helpful for you. And do you know what? Even just by trying to think, what's the one thing that I could do this week? Hopefully it, it creates a level of commitment on your own part because you've, you've voiced that out loud. So I hope that those relational practices and habits are helpful as we seek to build relationships with those living around us, our neighbours. Perhaps you live in a housing area with neighbours who are all around you. Or perhaps you live in a rural area where neighbours are some distance away. Is there anybody in that kind of context who's here? Rural areas? Okay, right. So obviously some of this takes a little bit of translation. But I hope that there's something in here that can still be helpful for those who don't have neighbours on their immediate kind of street or doorstep. But either way, whether you live with lots of people living around you or you live in a rural area, society is becoming increasingly more private and individualized, and it makes it difficult to build relationships with those who are living around us. And so this next section will help us consider a range of practical ways to build relationship in our street, in our local community. And some may be suited to your context, some can be easily adapted, and others will work really well no matter what your context is. So some practical neighbourliness ideas. But firstly, let's think about, well, what, what stops us doing this? Sometimes we might kind of think to ourselves, well, like, I'm really busy. I have a busy life. 
And so what I want to say to you is this is not necessarily about adding more to your load as much as it is about making the most of the spaces and places that you already are. So you're already living in your street. I'm not asking you to get in your car and go somewhere. You live in this street, so you're already there and you're already out and about and in the front of your house washing your car, working in your garden or doing things that are out and in your street. So how can we maximise those kind of places and spaces where we are already? So this can be as simple as chatting to people at the school gates or inviting somebody for a coffee. Everybody needs coffee. So, you know, it's not about necessarily asking you to do things that you aren't already doing. And the second thing that can stop us sometimes is just is making it happen. You know, we, we, we have to meet and connect with, with new people and put ourselves out there. Um, we have to take a little bit of a risk. A little bit like whenever we put out the invites for mulled wine and mince pies. It was you risk. You felt so vulnerable. But we have to do that in a way that makes it easier. We need to take the first step. Just because no one else has doesn't mean that people don't want relationship. We just need to be the initiators. There's often a huge amount of fear associated. Um, So this next section outlines a range of simple ideas, I think, that can help with that in some way. So the first one, practical pathways for getting started. The first one is is privacy. So uh, I always say to people, decrease the privacy at the front of your house. People are like, what? What do you mean? But listen, I don't know where, I don't know what your street looks like. But often new residential developments, and I live in one that's relatively new. Like they have open front gardens, so so there's no fences, there's no hedges at the front of the houses. The gardens just kind of and driveways just sort of run into each other. Um, so whenever I walk out through my front door, it's I can you know I can see my neighbours garden and house and at the front you know so if they come out and I'm out it's quite it's impossible actually to not have at the very basic a wave or a nod or a hello how are you type thing and and you know whereas if you live in a house that has a big hedge between you and the person who lives next door or a fence then you never see each other you know there's no there's no visibility then from the front of your house then that makes it a bit more difficult to connect with those people who are living around you so that that that's just a, a kind of point that I kind of would say, look, do you know what I mean? We can be private in our back gardens and we can want to kind of have privacy there. That's fine. But in the front, actually, we don't need to have that as private. If we want to be, if we want to connect with people, how can we reduce that in a way that allows us to see people, to create a bit of visibility that allows a bit of interaction? Secondly, we need to walk more. We need to walk around our community because that's a great way of getting to know people. And this is especially true if you have a dog or a baby because both of those make, mean that people stop you for a chat. So if you struggle to go for a walk on your own, then buy a dog or get yourself a baby. <laughs> I would recommend the dog. <laughs> but find a way that makes it easier for you or encourages you or motivates you to get out and walk in your community. Because people who walk talk, they do, they stop and they chat. And you see that, I see that in my, in my community. So walking. Shop local. Regular visits to a local shop or a local coffee house will guarantee that you get to, to see the same faces. Uh, you'll see people from the church or the school and you can sort of, you know, you can have that kind of nod of recognition and say, oh, hi, uh, you know, I see you at the school gate. And 
you know, you're, you're we fellas in, in P3, my wee boys in P3, you can get, you sort of can have a bit of a chat or, yeah, well, I've seen you, you've seen your bout or, you know, you can have a bit of a chat about the weather or, or about whatever the case might be, but it, it, you will see the same people and you can build on that. It's a safe environment to say hello. People don't necessarily feel uncomfortable if they're sitting having a coffee and someone who recognises a come over and says, oh, hello, you know, it's a good day, isn't it? And, and that's it. Plus, you're also supporting local businesses and you're creating a hub in your area. But the more you go to local shops, the more you will get to know people who are there. My children don't call the butchers the butchers or the vegetable shop in our town, the vegetable shop or the coffee shop, the coffee shop. They call it Desi's. That's the butcher. Clifford, that's the vegetable guy. And, and it used to be Decky, now it's Stokesy who runs the coffee shop. They just know the names of these people because we, we try to kind of be in those places as regularly as we can uh, because we, we see them as community hubs. Fourthly, try and create stopping points uh, or, or if you are in a more rural area then we can talk a bit about maybe visiting but create reasons to be at the front of your house and talk to people that pass by. So whenever we moved into our house um, we, I went out and bought a, a bench, just a little kind of wooden bench and instead of putting it in the back of our garden which is more, you know, your private area, I put it in the front, slap bang in the front of our house. And I go out there and I sit and have a cup of coffee or I'll read the paper or I'll just be kind of watching, supervising my kids because they're out maybe playing. And uh, it's a safe environment for people who are passing. To It's actually impossible for people to pass without saying hello because that just could be rude then, you know. So, like, I sit out there and the reason I sit out there is because when people pass by, I'll talk to them chat to them, get to know neighbours. I get to know people in my street because they're down, they're walking their dog or they're walking past, they're pushing a pram and you go over and you have a chat and you get to know people simply because of placing that bench of the front of the house and using it. It's obviously weather dependent, but, you know, I still try as much as I can to get out of the front of the house. Uh, Google Street Libraries is another great example of that. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but if you want to know more about that, Google Street Libraries. And it's another example of creating an opportunity where people might stop and you might be able to have a a conversation. If you don't live in a street that that would... You know, if you sat in the front of your house on a bench and the only thing you would see is a cow in the field or whatever, you know, then develop a habit of visiting in your area. This is is often more appropriate in rural areas. Neighbours live a bit away, but... And maybe you feel uncomfortable turning up to somebody's house um, without being invited. Um, so look for a reason to visit. So maybe a gift of flowers, just because you, you knew something was going on, you were thinking about them, so you're going to bring flowers. And obviously if you turn up with flowers, oftentimes people might invite you in, they'll put the kettle on. Or, or, or maybe you've baked some buns and you kind of think, right, do you know what, I'm going to put some of those in a wee box and I'm just going to drop them up to see. And if they're there, they're there. If they're not, they're not. But if they're there, you know, might invite in and might get that opportunity. But kind of turning up with something is easier than just turning up the door and saying, hi, can I come in? So look for opportunities where, you can, where people might stop or where you can go visit. Gather. Look for opportunities to show hospitality in your home or develop opportunities to gather in your street. So some examples would be Christmas, and we, we talked about that mulled wine mince pie idea, but it's a natural time for people to socialise or gather, so why not invite your immediate neighbours around your house at Christmas time for something as simple as, as mulled wine and mince pies? 
or you could have a street party uh, or a street you know kind of barbecue um, if that is appropriate for you it might seem complicated but we do this every year in our street and it doesn't really involve anything other than me wheeling my barbecue out from my back garden into the street we have a bit of grassy like a communal grassy area in front so we wheel into that another neighbour from our church does the same they wheel their barbecue out we set up a table people just bring their own deck chairs people bring their own food for the barbecue that's the only thing we provide is a gas barbecue people can cook their own food they can bring a picnic and and you know depending on the weather again but you know we, we, we did this in June this year it was a nice day we were blessed with a nice day and we were out there for about three hours and there was maybe 30 35 different neighbors that came some of those I had never met before because they hadn't long moved in and it's a great you know we put little invites around the doors. sorry so that's how people knew about it we'd put little invites around the doors let people know that this was happening and if you lived in this in in the street then you, you know you're welcome to come we'd love to love you to come but there was no major organization to it um just choose a date and a time that you think people might be available. So a Saturday or a bank holiday. We've done bank holidays sometimes. And sometimes we've done things like we've piggybacked on a national kind of event or celebration. So um, we, there was a, we did something for the royal wedding, you know, like a number of years ago. Uh, or the Olympics, when the Olympics was on, we maybe did kind of something and we had a few wee games for kids. Uh, or a cup final, whatever, I don't know, choose something or an event or something that kind of means, oh, there's our streets doing a party for that, Let's, you know, we can go to that. Or consider joining with the Big Lunch movement. I don't know if you've seen that, but again, Google Big Lunch, and they, they have a set kind of dates in the year where they encourage people to have street parties, and they call it the Big Lunch, and they'll give you some resources and ideas of, of how you can do that well. Um, but again, it just creates an excuse, because... You know, then you're kind of saying, oh, the, we're having a big lunch thing, you know, and then you've got some branding and all of that that you can do with that. Um, but try and create a reason to, 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 to gather. Another good way, idea for doing this is, is also maybe having like doing something for a local charity or a, or a charity that people are, you know, that people will be, um, will be close to their heart or something that they're really interested in. And then saying, you know what, we're having a coffee morning in our house to raise money for, um, you know, Macmillan Cancer or, or for, um, you know, for that project in the local primary school that, that lots of people might be involved with. Or, you know, you try and, 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 you, and people will come because they, they have a connection they kind of with that particular charity as well. And they kind of think, well, I know somebody who suffers from that illness or whatever the case may be. You're doing something for a really good cause um, and there's no other agenda to it. But people will come because in their street there's doing a bit of fundraising for this particular charity. So you're raising money for something um, that's really good, but you're also getting this opportunity to meet people in your street um, in a way that kind of, I don't know, it seems like barriers are, are broken down a little bit um, in that environment. Um, so sometimes we've also done something simple for, for young children at those street parties, like you know a bit of face painting, not by me, but um, somebody who can maybe do that, or maybe just having some colouring in or a little simple craft activity. If you think there's going to be children there, then you might want to try and offer something for them as well. But again, at a very basic level, there's not a whole lot of, of organisation or planning within that. Give and um, be generous with what you have. Bake buns and share them with neighbours. Um, if you're cooking a, a big pot of bolognese, why not stick some in a little foil dish or you know, and drop it around to somebody that you kind of think, actually, they could really do with that little bit of extra support and help. 
have an open door, invite people around for brunch or coffee or dinner, or if you prefer, invite somebody out for coffee and meet them in a local coffee shop. But try to, to be generous with, with what you have as well. And help people as best you can in your street. Do practical jobs for those who need it, including the elderly, the sick, or people who maybe um, are lone parents and are struggling. So cut some grass if, if people need that. Put their bins out. Feed the cat. Give them lifts to the hospital if they need things like that. Try to, be, try to look out for ways that you can actually help practically. You can actually make people's lives a little bit easier. How can we do that? And then join in. Do practical jobs for those who need it. Sorry, join in. Go to community events. Join a local club or interest group. Uh, look for you know local sports club, um, the cricket club quiz, or the you know community picnic that might be happening. Look out for these things that are happening in your community and think I'm going to go to that because I'm going to go there and try and meet people. Join the local community development group or the neighbourhood watch or or a drama club or a sports club, whatever place you might put yourself in where you might meet people who don't go to church. Um, and use social media to make connections as well. So Facebook page, we have a Nextdoor app uh, platform in our village that works really, really well at the local context. Um, so very quickly, and at a whisper, <laughs> um, have, a, have a conversation about what, what stops you getting to know your neighbours and what one practical step can you do that might help in your context. Just for a very quick minute before we wrap things up here. Okay, can I can I wave at you again? If you want to put your headphones back on, then you'll be able to hear me again. Great. Everybody okay? Wonderful. Um, so look, I hope that this has helped to outline a range of practices, some habits, some examples that will help prioritize relationship building that can kind of start building that foundation on which to share our faith in Jesus in really natural ways uh, as we seek to follow Paul's example of, of sharing our lives and sharing the gospel in our streets. I'm gonna, we're going to finish today watching a, a little video. So again, this is part of this resource that's been produced this year, uh, the Share resource. The story is, it isn't specifically a story of, it's a story about a, a guy called Stephen who came to faith, but it wasn't necessarily through a friendship on a street, but it was through a friendship that was outside of church that I think in some ways is really natural. It happened in a really simple way that, I don't know, I hope that when you watch this, you kind of think, I, c- I could be part of somebody's story like that. My story begins um, really as a child and growing up as a a teenager. um, My parents were members of the Mormon faith and I grew up as a Mormon, um, attended their meetings and just went to church every Sunday as a Mormon. I was having a challenge with a a work colleague. and I was happened to mention to my good friend Christine, who, who plays in the same orchestra as myself, uh, and she suggested, well, Stephen, why don't you we meet up for a cup of coffee? I thought, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so we did. So Christine um, 
explained to me that in her church they had a thing called a prayer group and she suggested that I put in a prayer request and I, I said to Christine, well, sure, why not? Thinking at the time that it wouldn't make much difference. Um, so that's what happened, but I was surprised that, you know, all these people praying for me that didn't even know me. And, and gradually over time, the problem with the work colleague was resolved. The first time I walked through the door, first Sunday morning, I was really nervous and I stood outside the church for half an hour trying to get, <laughs> trying to muster the courage to come into the church. And I came in and I was sweating buckets and my heart was going. And uh, <laughs> I, went, I went and sat in the back thinking that nobody would notice and I could just sneak out and nobody would say a word. And so after the service, Phil, the uh, assistant minister, came straight to me and introduced himself. And, and then I discovered that these people are normal, you know, these are normal people, it's okay, I can relax and start going to church. And then I attended the, chur the church for several weeks and then Christine said, have you thought about it? <laughs> And I went to Christine, have I thought about what? <laughs> and she said, have you thought about becoming a Christian and saying the prayer? And again I thought, prayer? What prayer? <laughs> and she said, well, Stephen, why don't we meet up and we can have a, a walk around the park and chat about it. And so that's what we did. We had a walk around the local park and she told me, what it meant to become a Christian and how how would uh, how to give your life to Christ and to say a prayer and and so that's what I did just after I came home from the park on my own sitting in my flat I decided well if I'm going to do this I might as well do it now and I must explain that I'm not the world's best prayer <laughs> my prayers are very simple but I had a simple prayer to God and just basically said to him, I'd like to give my life to Christ. Since I gave my life to Jesus, I have been totally amazed just how different my life is. Not that I'm doing anything differently because I still go to work. I still get up in the morning. But I am a calmer person. Before I became a Christian, I would have anger issues. And I am complete. I wouldn't say I was completely calm, but I am calmer and, and other people have noticed that I'm calmer I've had calmer I've had several work colleagues come up to me for no reason just to say Stephen there's something different about you the best way I can help uh, I can advise people is on how to uh, share the message of the gospel and of Jesus is just by being a friend first I think that's, that's critical. Um, and the second thing is recognizing opportunities and being in the right place at the right time. So Christine asked Stephen, can I, can I offer to pray for you? Can I ask some people to pray for you? That was all she did. And that started uh, a journey for someone like Stephen. Can we, can, can we be someone like 
Christine was for Stephen in terms of their journey by perhaps coming alongside, being real and being involved in people's lives, building a relationship uh, and, and allowing our faith to express itself within that relationship in a, in a really simple way. I hope that's helpful to you. I hope that you've been able to take something away this morning that has given you a sense of encouragement or, or a nudge of confidence to, to make a difference with those living around you who don't know Jesus um, so that we can uh, be part of, of what God has called us to be part of uh, in terms of building his kingdom there. Thank you for, for coming along. I'm just going to finish in prayer. And if uh, anybody wants to come and speak to me or if you want to ask a question or anything like that, you can come up and I'll be hanging around here for a while at the end. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for the example of, of Levi from the Bible, who was just so excited by what God had and what Jesus had done in his life. Uh, Lord, that he wanted to share that uh, immediately with those around him. God, he didn't spend you know, uh, uh, 10 weeks in a discipleship course and, and, and eight weeks in an evangelism course. He just, he just threw a party with those who lived around him and those he loved and those he worked with. And he invited uh, them to hear a little bit more about Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be a little bit more present. Uh, help us to live out our faith, to not be so private about that in our lives. Help us to love people well. Help us to uh, seek to make people's lives a little bit easier. Um, by our actions uh, and help us Lord uh, within all of that to be very honest and real that, um, that we um, seek to, to live the way that we do um, because of the good news of the gospel because of what Jesus has done in our lives and because Jesus loves everyone and we pray all of this in Jesus name Amen